Welcome to podcast number 223 from the Wiggly Sofa. I'm Heather from Wiggly Wigglers. What do we do? Well, we make the good life easy. And I'm joined today by Ricardo. No, he's not here. He's away with the fairies. um, (laughs) I'm joined today by Farmer Phil. From the farm? Uh, In fact, from the farm. Farmer Phil on the Wiggly Sofa. Today we're going to talk about setting up a new container garden. I'm going to deliver Mr. Luke Connard of buyjeans.co.uk and the school uniform shop a container garden which he's going to plant up in Castle Street in Hereford. So if you need any veggies, pop round and uh, you never know, you might have a spare tomato. Well, good. (laughs) You're talking about single farm payment, 27 millionaires, hedgehogs. Right. Excellent. But uh, do you know what? I think we need to go for a trip off in the new Vitesse. I'm sick of sat on the wiggly sofa and Michel has his portable recorder. And so I think the moment has come, dear listener, to share with you the sights, the smells, the love of our new Vitesse through the wiggly podcast. So... When you are listening, imagine scratch and sniff because you have to realise how beautiful this car is and you have to get every bit of you to come with us in the car to go up the Wiggly Road in the Wiggly Vitesse. Come on, let's go. Do I need my handbag? Why would you need your handbag? In case we need any... Um, supplies. I, I don't know of many outlets up the Wiggly Road. You know the election's over and we've now got the coalition government and we've been dealt health and safety for the past 13 years. Michael and I were thinking, as that klaxon going do, do, do when it reverses is annoying on the podcast, that actually we should ban it. Do you think that they'll repeal reversing noises? Because everyone repeal- knows something going backwards... He's going to run you over. They won't repeal it, but I am thoroughly in favour of cutting its wire off because I have cut the wires off all mine. (gasps) He hasn't. He definitely hasn't. I need you to be at the rear end to record the noise when it starts. Okay. Because that is something that is essential for Michelle to have on. Going round the back. All right. Here we are in the garage and Farmer Phil, start up the Wiggly Vitesse. up I feel. Yes. Because I love Michael's bad enough about wind in his microphones as it is without <laughs> doing that. Okay. Now it is worth commenting on the smell in here because the smell is of leather and of wood and a little bit of oil, a little bit of petrol. It is... A bit of mould. No, no mould. bit of... 
it's polish. A, it polish, but it's the smell that cars should smell of. There is in front of me the walnut dash. We have the glove compartment, which Heather is now demonstrating. And With the manual in it. <laughs> we have um, the nice wire spoke steering wheel with the Triumph logo in the middle <laughs> and we have the proper Smiths instruments and it's just lovely. And for those of you that aren't sure why we're in this car, some years ago the Wiggly Vitesse was purchased for £800 from a chap in Worcester and it turned out that this car was first registered to number 11 Downing Street. So our election results special is us going off on the previous Chancellor's assistance, assistance car, which was at Downing Street when Harold Wilson was in power. This car was registered to 11 Downing Street in 1967-69, I think, that period. 69. And that was when the Prime Minister was Harold Wilson. So the Chancellor was probably Dennis Healy. Remember those eyebrows? Yeah, big eyebrows. Um, but it's not registered to him. It was registered to one of the people in the um, number 11 with him. Now, I can't... Before we go any further... Yes. You're just going to have to listen to some of this. Steady, steady! Hang on, Michael. You got hold of everything, no, Michael? No, no, no. Is that not the most glorious sound? <laughs> that is lovely, but just go steady, because Michael's headphones are liable to fall off. For those car buffs amongst our listeners, we are actually driving a Mark 1 2-litre Transvitesse, which in its day was oh, soft top. It is duck egg blue with a cream stripe down the side with wire wheels. And two exhaust pipes. It has a tuned GT6 exhaust pipe, which exhaust makes... Pipe. Exhaust a, pipe. A tuned GT6 exhaust pipe. Yes. The exhaust pipe is tuned. Yes. Exhausts have to be tuned. Oh, I didn't know that. How many miles has it done? Well, it says it's done about 60-odd thousand, and we reckon that that is genuine. But now, obviously, we've driven it, and the chap who's been helping us to put the finishing touches have driven it, and he reckons that that probably is genuine from all the indicators that he can get at. It's cost lots of money to get it back. I don't want to talk condition. about anything about When it cost. was on the Wiggly Garden at Malvern, it was a total wreck. It had a bird feeder in it. It had a bird's nest in it, and now it's beautiful. But after lots and lots of money, it was due to be restored for Miss Sandra's wedding, which actually, it's now her anniversary, and we're just getting the car back for her anniversary. So we're hoping that she will dress up in her frock and come in the Wiggly Vitesse. There anyway, two, the thing been is, two rest, restoration firms have yeah. gone broke in <laughs> that, the course of this that is true. slightly troubled operation. <laughs> and I know lots of listeners, perhaps you don't really want to know about the Vitesse. Perhaps this is not really key to your learning. But I'd just like you to know that without the Wiggly podcast, we'd never have this car. Because when the first company took our money and we were unable to get it back. I took my little M audio recorder down to Cornwall and I recorded each and every word that the lying restorer spoke. 
a technicality. What, what, was, what fell off? Nothing. <laughs> oh no, hold it's on. open again. Hold on, mate. Hang on. Oh no. Oh, it'll be fine. The door is open, dear listener. Um, no, don't hang on to the door. You have to shut the door. Uh, Michael's a... got hang on. <laughs> anyway. about what happens the first time they fall out with each other. Let's pull over here and we can talk about this crop. And I can shut the door. Yeah. Stop. Yeah, so you like that? So I think that that's potentially a a good thing. With regard to my single farm payment, yes, now is the time of year when we have the dubious pleasure of filling in the form to claim our subsidy. And how's it gone this year, Farmer Phil? Well, in our case, we have to fill in a Welsh form as well as an English form. Well, we fill in several English forms for different farms. But, of course, the difficulty this year has been that the RPA, who are the Rural Payments Agency, have been encouraging us to go back to filling in the form online. And we used to do it. We were one of the pioneers of doing it online, and they abandoned that because they couldn't make it work properly. But we did it for a couple of years. So anyway, I managed to fill in my English form online, and that all went absolutely swimmingly. I thought they altered the size of the field again. Well, that was when I discovered that some of our fields appeared in duplicate on my neighbour's pre-printed Oh, so um, he can form. claim too? Well, no, I'm afraid it doesn't work like that. Any fields that appear in two places, there'll be a big discussion, and that means that we won't get our money when we thought we would. So hopefully we've sorted that out. But then I discovered that I can't fill my Welsh form in online, so I have to take that to the office. So that the effort that I've saved by <laughs> filling in the one form online, I've still, in a minute, got to go to Worcester with the other one. Why have you got to go to Worcester if it's for Wales? Well, because I'm majority English land, I have to deal with the English office. And the other thing about filling in the form online is that's all very well, but they didn't think about what to do with associated sketch maps and other oh, things. get over it, Farmer so, Phil. It's all to get you a dose of money. It Apparently, is. there's been 27 millionaires created by single farm payment. Subsidy millionaires. How, how do you possibly think that could be right? Who are these people? Well, in most cases, they were dairy corporations who I suspect have deals with the people who supply them with milk, ah. whereby they claim the subsidy for a whole dose of farms. So it's it's just how the figures have worked out. It's not that anybody's creaming it away. It's just how they've, how they've worked the figures out. 
There's Kellogg's just over there crowing. And aren't you impressed, dear listener, that occasionally you can hear a car going by? I've never known it's so busy on the B4352. Um, listen, we've got a review here from Genevieve Smith, and she is in the Pacific Northwest of America. And she's put the top gardening podcasts, and I thought it'd be worth sharing with you the other podcasts as well as our own, so that you've got an idea of what else to listen to. First of all, there's Timber Press. It's a bunch of interviews with Timber Press's authors. She loves it, the music's snappy, the interviews have high-quality audio and the discussion's great, but she doesn't like the fact they cut interviews into two parts. Secondly, Good Enough Gardening. This is a gardening podcast with Jean-Anne Van Crevelen and Amanda Thompson. And she talks about gardening and show tunes, and she occasionally raps. Mm-hmm. Could you rap? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> a Way to Garden. This is Margaret Roach, and she's got a straightforward approach to gardening. She does lots of practical tips and she simplifies things and here's another one nesting style it's a new podcast in 2010 with Teresa sharing historical tidbits about plants and gardenings and jane talking about gardening style and trends they went to the san francisco gardening show and then she says us and i'll let you read this one and she's written the wiggly wigglers podcast seems to be the longest running gardening podcast and i can find that i think is probably right They've been discussing life on the farm in their adorable British accent since 2005. Oh, darling. Mm. I love that the podcasts have a sense of continuity from episode to episode, and I also love whenever they discuss hedgehogs. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. I think that's a recipe for podcasting success. Baby hedgehogs and British accents. Works for me. So, I'm going to talk about hedgehogs on this show. I thought you might be. Anyway, and the, the last couple of podcasts that she suggests you trying are Ken Drew's Real Dirt. Uh, Ken and Vicky are garden writers and they talk about colder climes. And then there's Anarchy in the Garden and this is from vegan urban gardener Adriana in Southern California. There's punk music. Why haven't we got that? But we haven't got a radio in our Vitesse. Yeah, Michael would edit any punk music out. Yes, it's quite a sad thing about our podcast. is the only music that is ever likely to get played, apart from the theme tune, of course. And oh, one incident of Monty playing Smoke on the Water is anything by Yes. It is true. Um, the English podcasts that I think are really good to listen to are... Terry's Allotment is great, I think. And there's also A Kitchen Garden which is by Emma Cooper. Great podcast. I mean, you'll find them all on iTunes, but there's no gardening section, so it's really hard to find them. Ours is in science, in natural science, so obviously you know, we've got to talk scientific every now and again. Uh, name a pesticide, Phil. Roundup. Thank you. There we are. That's the science bit of this week's show. And also you can find lots of gardening podcasts in hobbies. But first of all... I'm going to go to Luke Connods and set up his container garden with him and see what he thinks. Why has he bought it? What's he going to do with it? Is he going to grow veggies? Has he only got a patio? Can't he have raised beds? Let's see with Luke. Right, I'm just dropping off Luke's veggie patch, so I'm just going up to his door. Nice door. Hang on. Okay. I'll hold the dog. 
Hold on, Bono. Hello, Luke. Oh, hello, Heath. How are you? Very good. Oh, he's going to get nice dog. That's okay. <laughs> Oh, oh, Bono, you are gorgeous. Luke's dog is a gorgeous, choppy lad. Oh, You'd like toast and jam. Luke. He's bringing you a shoe. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you, Bono. Oh, nice oh, to oh. see you, Luke. You all right, Dad? Yeah. Yes. Here is your box. Oh, wonderful. So this is your uh, container. Shall we go into the garden and put it on the table yeah. there? And I bought you some sheep's wool compost. Oh, right. As well. Oh, there we are. We can see better here, can't we? OK, so... Right. Mate. So that's... Uh, what's that then? Oh, that's every- oh, that's courgette. Courgette. Oh, there we are. Chard. What's chard then? Is it's it like- pretty. Right. It's like kale. What's? Uh, it- <laughs> Is it you, you put boil it in a salad it. too? Oh, yeah, do- and you can- yes, you, you can, can do both things. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, sweet margarine, so right. herbs. Oh, right. Mint. Mint. That's a nice herb. Nice for my new potatoes. That'll be parsley. Yeah. Oh, this is the con- this is the herb garden. Oh, right. Oh yeah. Oh right. There we are. Okay, so if you don't need all these plants, right, I'll have the, some of them back. Okay, loads, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, there's lots. Wow. I think maybe we've got two plots in one oh, here. Oh, right. Anyway, yes. Will you plant some of these up and let me know Mixed how you lettuce. get on? Yes. Well, um, I've got a sunny spot for them over here. Okay. This is a nice garden. Well, it's lovely, actually, because it's in the dog can run around all day and he doesn't get out. Yep. What I'm going to do, because some of my... What are they called? Um, primulas. Primulas. Some of my primulas are nearly over. Yep. And some of the pansies are nearly over. And I've got those two long troughs as well. So I'm going to change this area at the front yep. to have all big pots with all the uh, summer plants in and it gets all the afternoon sun. Fantastic. So it'll be lovely. Do you keep it watered? I've got my watering can and just fill that up as I go round. Brilliant. Okay, well I bought you some sheep's wool compost so you to can fill, yeah, up, so oh, you'll fantastic. need a bit of nutrition. And you'll have some worm casts as fertiliser. Oh, excellent. So those so, are the ones we use with the sunflowers that are bigger than mine. Exactly. <laughs> now, I know you do jeans. Yes. Didn't farmers start jeans off? Uh, originally, what it was, Levi's, who made the first jeans, they were out in the wilderness in, in America and they were digging for gold and putting in the railway lines and putting in fences for the fields for the cattle ranches and things like that. Their trousers used to keep wearing out. And so um, Levi Strauss, who was a Jewish immigrant and a tailor, thought, what can I make the guys who are working on the, working hard, trying to build America, something that's not going to wear out every day. So he got some cotton, made it in really tight weave, denim, and uh, put them together and made them into a trousers, all double stitched, so they'd really hold together, with really strong pockets, and a little pocket oh, on the right-hand side, which they used to put their watch in. So they knew ah. what time it was, so their pocket watch. Whereas your smart business suit man would have his little uh, waistcoat. waistcoat and he'd have a pocket there, pocket there, and his watch would go like that. The lads who were working, of course, didn't. So they had a watch pocket in there. Nowadays, people use it for condoms when they're going out <laughs> oh, at night. No, no they do. Really? No, honestly, because it's the same size no. as a condom in a wrapper. Oh, my god! So lads, when they go out, put their condom in there. Or I use it for my house key, you see. Ah, that's better. Because I used to live in the middle of nowhere in the country, and we never used to bother. I never locked the door, yeah. never locked the house, and I am always locking myself out. So I put one house key in there, and then when I close the door behind me in the morning to go to work, I don't think, ah, I can't get back in. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> Farmer Phil used to purchase his jeans in bulk from America, right? Yes. But he's moved now, he's moved to you, yep. and your website is? It's www.buyjeans.co.uk. Yes. Now, listen, 
as I've brought you this container ready mm. plot, will you do, my dear Wiggly listeners, a deal? Absolutely. So, is there a discount code that you can give them if they want to buy a pair of jeans? Is there a way that they can get a special a, Wiggly a, discount? Only, l- only for Wiggly customers. Yes. Yeah. Yep, we can give them a special Wiggly code, but they mustn't tell anyone else. Not a soul. They must use it only themselves. Yes. Yeah. And Um, if you're listening to this ahead of time, so if it's now 2020, probably Luke and I have retired, so it might not work. But if it's 2010, this code will work. Knowing me, it'll probably still work in 2020, (laughs) because I always like to give a bit of discount. (laughs) Um, So it'll be W-I-G, Wig for Wiggly, 001. W-I-G-0-0-1. Um, type that in when you go to our checkout and in the discount code page, W-I-G-0-0-1, and that'll take 10% off everything you buy and also 10% off your postage as well. And am I right, Luke Connard, that yours are the best value jeans in the UK? They are. In fact, <laughs> no. Is <laughs> true? It is true, yeah. In fact... Our jeans, if you find them cheaper elsewhere, they can email me personally, show me where they've got them cheaper, and we'll match the price. That's our buy jeans price promise. Right, well, then, Luke, I need your email. It's luke at bui for buy jeans co.uk you're a star listen plant up your plot let me know how you're getting on and in the meantime let's me and you go and give a sunflower competition school assembly to lempster junior school should we bring the dog why not let's go (laughs) (laughs) come on pooch right this should be the right button then heather We'll give it a go. I've put the sheep's compost in a big round tub. And it's a lovely sunny day. And I've just got these mixed lettuces. And I'm just gently sort of pricking a hole to put them in. The dog's looking as if he wants to steal either one of the lettuces or the packaging that they're in. Right, that's all those done. I think I followed the instructions right. I guess we'll uh, soon find out. Right, next I've got some tumbling tomatoes, they say. Bono, get your nose out of there. Right, they're kind of a plastic thing. At least I think they have, yes. Oh, there we are. Oh, it unfolds, that's clever. So I've got four of those. And I'm going to put those in another big tub. They need bigger holes by the looks of it. I'm sure you're supposed to use a trowel, but I always just use my hands, because it's a good excuse to get dirty. There we are. So, Bono, get your nose off that. Right, some courgettes next. Pop those in this pot. The only problem is my trousers have fallen down. I'm slowly slipping down like one of those teenagers. I can't pull them back up again because my hands are now covered in soil. Strawberries next. These look strange, long old roots. Put those in. There we are. There's five of them. Massive roots. I wonder if they'll be in time for strawberries this summer or whether we'll have to wait till next. Basil next. Oh dear. Just knocked the log over. These are little plants. Much easier. Oops, to plant. But the problem is you have this big brown dog helping you all the time. It keeps on wanting to sniff. So most people have problems with slugs. I have this big brown problem. And he's now just taken one of the strawberry plants. Oh no! Oh no! Sit! 
Right, sorry about that. You just stole a strawberry plant right out of the pot. Because that's the sort of dog he is, unfortunately. So if anyone's got an idea of how to keep big brown Labrador pests off the garden, give me a shout. Right, last but not least is Chard, which I thought was a place in Somerset, but clearly isn't. So we've got ten of these. Oh, okay. There we go. All those there. And that's it. I'm going to give them all some water now. And then that's it. Garden in 20 minutes. Bargain. Okay, so just so that we've humoured Genevieve and talked about hedgehogs, I thought, Phil, that you would want to know that the gestation period for hedgehogs is 35 to 58 days. And that depends on species because there's lots of different species of hedgehog. The average litter is three to four newborns for large species and five to six for small ones. And given that they spend the winter time asleep and they are presumably waking up around now, do they then set about breeding now with a view to having their young through the summer? Yep, now's the time they start to breed. They're born blind and they're born without quills, which develop over a few days. I should think that's quite a good thing if you're a mother hedgehog. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, Lord. Right, we've sat, we've uh, stopped the car outside. Which, which field is this, Farmer Phil? Tankfield and Drive Meadow. OK, so what crops have we got in them? Well, in Tankfield, we've got a crop of Grafton winter wheat. Graft? Grafton, that's its name. I see. All varieties have names, yep. and that one's called Grafton and that's a feed wheat, quite a high quality feed wheat, and that's being grown for seed. So that's one of very few crops of that seed generation that's in existence and will supply the seed for that variety for the next few years. When did you plant it? In the, wind, in the autumn time, so in late September, October. And so what are you looking for now? I mean, I can see bright yellow flowers in the middle of it. <laughs> well, there is the odd turnip growing in it, yeah, isn't um, that rape? No, well, it's the same, same idea. They're brassicas, but it's actually a stubble turnip. Right. But they're just left over from the sheep keep that we've had in previous years, and you just get odd ones coming up. Essentially, what I'm looking out for now is disease, notably in our case something called septoria, which is a, a fungal disease that wheat gets on this side of the country, and it's spread by rain, splashing it up the plant. It doesn't happen so much in drier areas of the country. So do you go wandering around your fields on a sort of weekly basis? Some and some. I never see you wandering around your fields. We I can... only ever see you in the truck. <laughs> we can actually... I'll ignore that. Okay. We can actually tell quite a lot of what's going on disease-wise by the weather. If you have a wet spell of weather, there are, in the case of a winter wheat crop, three specific normal timings for fungicides, and you'll move them slightly according to the weather so that if you have a wet spell, it's quite nice to put the fungicide on immediately after it because you know that that will have splashed spores of the disease at the plant and you want to treat them before they actually develop into the disease full-blown. And that way we can minimise the amount of fungicide that we put on, both in terms of the actual quantity or the rate, and we don't need to use such broad-spectrum fungicides because we target it. And it also means that it lasts longer. You're trying to protect the crop until you combine it. And the idea is to protect it using as little chemical as you can get away with. 
for, for obvious reasons of cost and also because most of these chemicals have a lifespan which is based on when the fungus that you're trying to kill becomes immune to them. Can you tell that that crop is healthy from here and is it the right size, you know, are you worried about it? I'm not terribly worried about it. They're, the crops are late this year because the spring has been late and we've had a very cold winter. That crop's immediate requirement is fertiliser rather than anything else. It's about to set off growing at some considerable rate of knots and it needs fertiliser to feed it while it does that. Um, so that's, that's what that'll be having next and that'll make it go a darker, more even colour, which will indicate to me that it's fully fed. How do you work out whether or not you're going to benefit from things? Because it must have an effect if you go traipsing over it with the wheels. Well, we do it on tram lines so that there are limited wheelings. You always drive in the same place, and we spread 24 metres or spray 24 metre widths at any one time. So but if you go in the same place all the time, you must have got ridges in the field of compacted soil yeah. where you drive up and down. So it. that if necessary, we will subsoil just those tram lines. And that's quite a good thing because the rest of the field we can look after in good order and we don't have to waste our time and money subsoiling bits of the field that don't need it. Time for a Montycast, a weekly fact on wiggliness. The Montycast, a weekly fact on wiggliness. Soil contains 0.01% of the Earth's water. Another Montycast next week okay farmer phil your turn to read out the latest itunes review thank goodness for technology yeah here we are wi-fi in the wiggly vitesse not i've written it down this is an itunes review from mrs gc five stars thank you very much indeed mrs gc great stuff thanks for the podcast i really enjoy it well, that's the sort of review I can live with. Absolutely. You know, unequivocal. Straight in there. Thank you very much. Start the Vitesse up, darling. Let's go. Fire up the Vitesse. <laughs> it's time for change. Now, on the right, we've got the wiggly hedge that we planted, and the trees, actually, that we planted last year. You can just see it by the fence, and it looks like um, just a few tiny weeds. That's year one. But on the left, here's the wiggly hedge that we planted three years ago, and it is rocking, isn't it? It is. The only, the only bits that aren't doing quite so well are where it's got some trees in it, some London plane trees in it that were already there, and where they've sucked up the moisture, the hedge is considerably smaller. Oh, yeah. But it's there, and when we eventually either cut it or lay it, it'll all come, you know, right then. But the best bits... Are in the middle, and it's staggering how much progress it's made in the last 12 months. It's really got on with it. And then we're just driving down the weekly drive, and on the right, for those of you who are following us on Google Maps, we've got our walled garden, and um, which is the weekly garden. It's got loads of ivy on it, which we can use in the bouquets just about every day. Uh, it doesn't seem to have any effect on the ivy at all, and it's full of at the moment cowslips and also newts. <laughs> Wiggly wisteria on the house here and we're just going to park up and uh, here's Rach we'll just end the show <laughs> we'll try and wind down the window to say hello to Rach
there we are if you'd like to listen to next week's show come to the Wiggly website or you can download them all if you want to at uh, wigglywigglers.co.uk and we will love to have you listening next week and the week after if you want to contact us it's heather at wigglywigglers.co.uk or pwg at lowerblakemere.co.uk twitter at Farmer Phil and at Wiggle thanks very much for tuning in it's bye from me Heather and bye from me and Rach bye 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 gently Aren't they? Aren't they gorgeous? Yeah. Aren't they? Anyway, we're supposed to be concerned Universal at 11 o'clock. Oh, sh-